There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 525. Uh, this week, May 29th, 30th, and 31st, I'll be doing the stand-ups at Wise Guys in West Valley City, Utah, which is Salt Lake. Salt Lake City. If you're there... In Utah, come by, and then uh, a couple weeks later, I'll be back at Helium in Portland on June 12th, 13th, and 14th. So go to the internet to find tickets for that, and uh, hopefully you'll see you out there. Also, if you're going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Matt and Jonah are doing their own show, I believe on Thursday, June 5th at Stand Up Live. So uh, go again to the same aforementioned internet to find tickets for that, and go say hi to those, uh, go say hi to the sister wives. I would like to thank you for sponsoring this episode of Nerds Podcast. Squarespace. Squarespace uh, is an all-in-one platform that makes it really fast, easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, online store, whatever you need. And uh, whatever level of experience you are, if you're a beginner or if you're advanced, they have 24-hour, seven days a week support at Squarespace. uh, And plans just start at $8 a month. That includes a free domain if you sign up for a year. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, which is uh, very important. If you uh, look at current user trends, mobile use is going through the roof. I was just trying to make that sound. Don't laugh at me, Chloe. I was. Mobile trends are going through the roof, Chloe. I believe you. There's not even a roof. I mean, you're selling me on whatever you're trying to sell. Did you notice that there's not a roof above your head? That's what? Those are the mobile trends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Squarespace will help you with that. Start a trial with no credit card. Uh, start building your website. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code NERDIST to get 10% off and show your support for the Nerdist podcast. We'd like to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace.com. Yes, but where do we get a roof? I don't know. It's on fire. I don't think we should let it burn. I think we should actually put the fire out. I think that's probably for the best. All right, get the water. All right. This episode is Clark Gregg returning to the Nerdist podcast. He was on last year. Uh... Clark's a good guy. He's a damn delightful gentleman. He's a good hang. Why is good hang funny? It just sounds real dirty. It's not... He's got a good hang. He, he probably does have a good hang. He seems like he would. Uh, Clark, <laughs> Clark, Clark is uh, Agent Coulson, of course, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers films, but he also, and we believe he talked about this the last time he was here, but he wrote, directed, and is starring in a movie called Trust Me. Um, and Trust Me is in theaters June 6th. It stars, as I said, Clark, Felicity Huffman, Sam Rockwell, Amanda Peet, Allison Janney. It's sort of a, it's kind of a dark comedy about uh, a struggling agent, a, a chi- like a kid actor agent. Uh, but anyway, Clark, you're the best, buddy, if you're listening to this. If not, everyone else. It's the Nerdist Podcast number 525 with Clark Gregg returning. Now entering Nerdist.com. I wouldn't offend me whatsoever. Well, I don't... Uh, In a hula skirt, if you want, I would laugh hard. I would sure love to have... You know, there's no... See, that's the problem when you host a show. There's nothing really action-y about that, so you don't get an action figure. But... And we've, Katie's already started recording. But this... 
I'm looking at the Agent Coulson. We're podcasting right now. We're pod- this is happening. Jeez Louise. The Agent Coulson uh, pop pop figure uh, is it's great. It's really great. I brought a bobblehead <laughs> for my friend Chris. But see, I don't want to take it out of the box though because. You've signed the box. You wouldn't be a nerd if you did. Yeah, but I know. It's sort of like the... I'll uh, give you another one that you can take out of the box. Sometimes... My mother sent me 300. (laughs) Sometimes being a nerd is not fun because it means you don't get to play with things because you're too worried that you're going to ruin it. And it's like, ruin it for what? I know. Well, for collecting it. For why? Swell to have it so that it's perfect. But shouldn't you have fun with that? I think you can pass up the, the ultimate possible potential value... Of an Agent Coulson bobblehead, I think is something you you can probably survive without. <laughs> this uh, it was really fun doing your show, by the way. Oh, you did great! Oh, oh fucking it was so fun! It was so that this well, the show will have already aired, so we can talk about the fact that uh, the Craigslist ad of uh, I will pay you to come to my house and sit in a bathtub full of cooked noodles, <laughs> essentially just to to marinate cooked? them with your body. Yeah. Um, your downstairs parts. Your downstairs parts. Yeah, all of them. But they did say you can wear swimming attire. It said swimming suit, which made me think this might not have been a a young person or a Native American speaker, just because swimming suit. Would you like to wear a swimming suit in the bathtub of noodles? I want you to know that I was sitting back there like the <laughs> wannabe comedian that I am, writing down different... <laughs> <laughs> you, you wrote so these are uh, if the hashtag were bathtub noodles yeah uh, with where someone is basing someone's their body boasting you yeah, wrote basting. a booty broth which I'm a huge fan of crackaroni great <laughs> labia linguine which would upset people I know rump robin and then <laughs> <laughs> someone's gonna be too subtle you'd have to see this written but it's udon, udon yet, yet but it looks like udon yet that's fucking fantastic <laughs> See, but then should... I went with the callback. But it makes me sad now that you were not a contestant on the show. No, I feel like no, those are they were brilliant. I feel like you could... those were actual. Those people are licensed to use comedy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, when <laughs> you have to dabbler. go down to the comedy bureau and get your, you have to renew your license every couple of years. I always and... fail the test. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I never study for it because I always think I'm going to do fine, and then fuck, I always miss like one too many. So I think I think I'm up for renewal again. But uh... I always joke about that when I do particularly heinous takes, like. <laughs> I hear the SAG sirens <laughs> coming to take away my card again. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, think, I think it's it's fortunate for a lot of people that SAG that there's no qualitative test to, <laughs> uh, to make it into the Screen Actors Guild. Because, I no. mean, we sort of, I sort of joke, I, I've, I've made comments about this before that, especially if you're shooting on something with a budget and you can do... Was like your movie. You probably was a little more on. Was a little more on the fly. And it's like okay, we got two, maybe three takes. But if you're same camera that they used for the Avengers, <gasps> and you kind of go, wow, it's amazing. <laughs> These couldn't be more different. And sometimes you go, wow, it's the same st- because it's all digital now. This is the same camera they probably used on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You never know. Yeah, all oh. the brows are covered. They didn't just shoot all of the Kardashians shows like on an iPhone or something. It feels like it feels like they would have shot it on a diamond crusted Louis Vuitton yes. iPhone. But the um, the idea being that bedazzled. That's <laughs> here's why a here's, bedazzled iPhone. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm still in your show. Just points. So uh, points. <laughs> I just gave you points. But um, but the idea being, I think one of the reasons why it would be terrifying for me to be an actor is that besides that, I, I lack the skill. Is that there would there would be tons there's of- many people that hasn't slowed down one tiny bit. <laughs> still card carrying members of the Screen yes. Actors Guild. But the idea being that there, there would be tons of takes of me out there not nailing it and fear that some editor would get all pissed off at me for some reason and be like, fuck you, here's all the takes where you suck. Everyone in the crew gets a gift. Yep. The editor gets a very special gift. <laughs> and also uh, the ability to extort funds yes. from you for the rest of your Everybody's life. Everybody's got some stinkers out there. If they ever release audition tapes, it would bring a quick end to a lot of careers, namely mine. That would be a great show. Oh. It's just showing audition tapes for things. Oh, Don't you think? I mean, There's a lot of stuff you go in for thinking you're right for it, and only later do you realize, you know, I wasn't right for Pretty Woman, the Julia Roberts parts. <laughs> you know, at the time, I thought I had it. At the I time, I was... 
How could they have made that mistake? So, uh, boy, you could re- you could reboot Pretty Woman. You'd be a good. You could do that. Oh, please! They're rebooting. They're so much... rebooting shit all the time. I have to say, I, even though it's a ludicrous movie, I love it. It's kind of uh, not but bad. Do you know the real sincere? So where you know, you're the Julia Roberts character? Where you're... I think so. I would totally. You know, just like what was her name? Where uh, uh... and he like slaps the jewelry thing shut, and I just punch him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, bitch! Hey, man! Yeah. I'm flossing my teeth in here, <laughs> asshole. I'm not doing drugs, bitch. That's with the that's with the Aaron okay, Paul now version. I have it, now there's two of us going for this role. Pretty women. It's pretty women where he gets a bunch of them. Yes. And it's all Louisa May Alcott. Yeah. There's an amazing pit <laughs> Louisa May Alcott. Pretty Louis- little women. Yes, but it's all dudes, so it's Louisa May Alcock. Uh, Thank you. All right. Good night, guys. <laughs> you guys have been really great. Uh, that's my time. Sorry, I was on at the end of the show. Uh, there's a really amazing picture of Aaron Paul dressed as Jane, as Kristen Ritter's character from Breaking Bad, and he looks. They look so much alike. Like he did the bangs and the makeup. They look so much alike. Katie, could you pull I that up? See that? I bet he'd make a pretty girl. Aaron, he did. He does make a pretty girl. Yeah. Let's talk about other actors who make pretty girls. I did one of those movies. Uh, this movie called The Adventures of Sebastian Cole, and, so, and sadly, those pictures are on the internet, and I thought I was going to be damn well beautiful. Mm-hmm. Much to my surprise, <laughs> that was really not the case. You know, sometimes we really lack the perspective <laughs> on ourselves to understand we would not make a pretty woman, no. nor would, were we right for that part we thought we were right for. Well, we shot this thing very low budget in upstate New York, and we'd be you know, in a deli that was still selling people stuff, and people would look at me like, oh, poor guy. That's Aaron Paul. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's beautiful. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Katie, leave that up. <laughs> Katie, leave that up in here. Also, the name Aaron Paul works both ways. Could be a lady's name. Like Clark Gregg. But just like Clark Gregg. Yes. Are there lady clerks? Uh, my boy. There is one. I met one once. It just happened. That's not probably not of great use to your but, to but, your listeners. But who is this lady? I did lady meet Clark. a woman named Clark. She was an executive at an office next to an office. People said, "Oh, you have to meet Clark," and there she was. My my wife has a wonderful uh, manager named Greg Clark, and I used to get his emails sometimes from people. Oh, really? Yeah. So I can blackmail. So him you have a lot, a lot of shit yes. on this guy. A lot. a lot of shit. Are you guys? Uh, so you're not you're not shooting Shield right now. I can't tell you. God damn. Yeah, we finished. Oh, okay, good. We wrapped the season two weeks ago. And have you had any time to not have to do anything? Um, I haven't really. I haven't really because I made... Funny you should say... What is this? Uh, I made this little film called Trust Me, which I may have mentioned on, uh, on my last somewhat, That's right. somewhat recent visit yeah. to Nerdist. I, yeah. My memory's not great, so you're going to have to give me... like We have to have a signal when I start to say the same <laughs> crap I said last time. Um I made a little film called Trust Me, and that was kind of timed to come out when I could actually go around and help promote it a little bit, and that's coming out now. So I've been doing a bunch of that stuff, and I'm going to do some more of it, but I will take a, a little much-needed break because it turns out the whole Hydra thing's kind of exhausting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, don't be upset. I, I may have hailed Hydra on, the, on oh, At Midnight. We know. Oh, fuck. Everyone knows. <laughs> I, I email. I email. Just the, don't have Sam Jackson on your show, and everything's <laughs> going to be okay. Who put all these motherfucking hydras in this motherfucking place? <laughs> That's right. I. Uh, <laughs> how badly did you want him to say that at some point? <laughs> He's he has a good sense of humor about it. He does, and in fact, the first time he came to visit our show, there was definitely a few takes after he walks off where I'm like, there was a couple where we improved about like he said, "You're not getting your fish tank." There was definitely a couple like. I guess we can't have any snakes on the motherfucking plane. <laughs> and Sam, Hydra's a bunch we of can't snakes. say motherfucking on yes. the show. Sam, we can't say motherfucking. No. Um, but uh, uh, he, has a, he has a great sense of Because he was on the Talking Bad show, and in between, during commercial breaks, he would tell these amazing stories. I mean, I would think, oh, he's probably talked about this stuff so much he doesn't want to. But he was offering this great information about... How they didn't want him to say, get these motherfucking things on this motherfucking plane. He was like, that's the whole reason to do the movies for that one line. Yes. So we just shot it in California. Once we were done, I made him shoot it. Oh, good for him. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's what he said. Yeah, he comes up with great ones. 
I guarantee you some of Nick Fury's stuff has been kind of filtered through the Sam. Well, because I hailed Hydra on at midnight, I, uh, when I went to WonderCon, there was a growing number of people coming by and going, Hail Hydra. Like, it really <laughs> did start to spread a bit. Don't be surprised if you never see those people. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, because I'm going to get snatched up or they're going to get snatched up? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so what happens all of season two of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Just break it down. Storylines, plot lines, spoil everything. Scarlet Witch. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, it must be hard because you know all this. You know, you know a lot of stuff oh, that you have to keep in your head. so sweet. You think they tell me anything. Oh, you don't know anything? Do they keep it from you too? <laughs> Mostly, yeah. Yeah, they, I, a lot has been revealed since I was last here. I, I definitely kept it that way, and they were only too happy to oblige me because they don't tell me much anyway. But at a certain point, I realized that the frustration I had about not knowing what the hell this was adding up to and looking for hints and not getting them explained to me was kind of very much what Agent Phil Coulson was feeling. And it was driving him nuts. And I decided to kind of keep it that way. And then one day they called me in and said, okay, we think... Actually, that's not true. There was a couple of times when I had to call them, okay, wait a minute. Okay, and this scene, Phil Coulson knows more than even I know. Like, you have to tell... I have to at least know what he knows. And then when they tell you, were you like, oh, Spoilers! I was a little, the, the audience geek in me was like, whoa, dude, <laughs> how am I going to watch the episode now? Um, they, um, they sat me down and said, look, you know, there's some stuff that's coming up that we, we have to tell you. And the whole, you know, you know how we call it centipede? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's really Hydra. And I, oh, what? And, and they told me a bunch of stuff. Um, and... And But they still, I was the only one who knew for a couple of days. And I was walking around with people with targets on their back or Hydra emblems over their heads and didn't know it yet. And then we had this big table read. And this is when Marvel starts to really be like S.H.I.E.L.D. where here's the new episode. This is the ending. And at the last minute, they come in with these top secret red pages with this new ending. Is Kevin Feige Nick Fury? Um, they're, they're not dissimilar. <laughs> they're, they're not alike in any way, but they're also not dissimilar. Um, and they actually had to sit a couple of the members of the cast down, actually all of us together the day before this reading, just because people were going to be shocked. Yeah. And it was kind of amazing because you live it, you're working so many hours, you've kind of been through this incredible journey together where everybody didn't know each other, just like the characters and became a team and tried to kind of like get through the tough times, get to the good times. And uh, and people went through like shock and denial and no, he's not. How you know, could you? I think I think it'd be I think it would be a bummer to work on a show and either not be a fan of the show or be the type of actor who was like, yeah, I don't watch any of this stuff because I just don't, you know. I know because I, I feel like it's so much more fun to get to be a fan of stuff and not just have to be a cog in a big acting wheel. It would kill your soul. I don't know how you get through the hours, you know. And luckily, that's really not our not our team. Joss and Jad and Marissa, the Whedon uh, triumvirate, they're really good at at kind of casting people who are really into it. You know, I don't know. They must have a kind of nerd radar for people. And the the kids and Ming, <laughs> me and Ming and the kids, they're everybody's really they're there because they really believe in it. Yeah, it sounds really kind of chest thumping, and uh, but they. Uh, it makes it so much more fun, and we kind of watch it. And when you watch it, a show like this, so much of it is, oh boy, I hope there's some cool effects on this. The guy who does them is this amazing guy, Mark Kolpak, and everyone's like, come on, I'm just standing here holding a theater light. I hope some crazy beams are going to be coming out of this. Come on, <laughs> Kolpak, or I'm going to be looking really stupid. Well, Joss has a really amazing ability to, uh, he's a really amazing ability to, in, in any project that he's involved with, I don't know. There's something about it that makes you feel like you're a part of, like you're a part of this friend group that just made a a thing together, and you get to watch how it played out, as opposed to just this is just entertainment. Like when I when like when you watch when I watch Firefly, I was like, oh, I really feel like I'm a part of that group. Or if I watch Buffy, I felt like I was a part of that group. I just never thought of that. That's so true. There is an inclusion. There's a reason that Joss has this kind of giant, and I, I would say cult, but I don't even think it's a cult. It's like a family. Of people because you feel like you're part of it, you know? He listens. They, they really kind of care about working for that group. And the, the kind of 
I really met most of the kind of actor part of that family when I did Much Ado at his house. And I was kind of nervous. Like, they'd all been to camp together all summer, and I was like the guy showing up for the last week. And, uh, and they kind of couldn't have been nicer about welcoming, welcoming me into that group because I'd been kind of cast on a fluke and had to learn this whole giant part in two days and was terrified to begin with. Hadn't done Shakespeare since I was about 23. And, uh, and just one by one, Amy Acker and, and Alexis Denisoff, they all kind of came over and just welcomed, welcome to the Whedonverse, bro. And uh, so when Amy turned around and came back and played the cellist on S.H.I.E.L.D., I texted Joss. He was a few days from his first uh, day of shooting Avengers. He just was th- so thrilled to see that circle come back around in J. August and a lot of people like that, Ron Glass. Now, did you, did you after your performance of Much Ado, did you get so full of adrenaline that you passed out before the next shot? See, I remember that story from the last time you were on. People, it's funny, people, when people remember this terrifying Broadway story that I told last time, see it on that episode because I'm not going to do it again. They, um, <laughs> go back to your file, people. Um, it, it's such a terrifying story that people, said, people would text me or tweet me saying that they were having to pull over in their cars because they were so anxious yeah. listening to it. Yeah. I mean that's that's <laughs> there's no <sighs> that is that is some people's ultimate anxiety. I'm I'm either supposed to be on stage and I'm not there or I'm on stage and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and everyone is watching me. Do other people get that? I mean, I guess anyone who's ever been in a school play knows that terror. I think so. Well, even if it's not performance related, it's still the idea of getting up in front of people yeah. and they're expecting something from you. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't think you have to dig that deep to understand what type of um, fears that that unlocks for people. It doesn't. No, it it's the naked thing. You're naked yeah. in public. Yeah. yeah. It's the actor version. Yeah. Your soul is naked, essentially, because you don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to. Yeah. I get the one where it's like the last week of high school and I have forgotten to go to some class the whole time and I'm realizing I'm not going to graduate. You ever oh, get that one? Yeah, uh, I haven't gotten that one. And my, everyone's aliens? My recurring... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I just combined all the other dreams. Hail Hydra. And I... Um, Dude, stop what? saying that. What's wrong? It upsets me a little. I'm sorry. There's very little, you know, there's very little kind of membrane I didn't between say anything. me and Phil Coulson anymore. I think you hearing I stuff. It. I didn't I say know. anything. Now you're no, gaslighting my, me. Typical Hydra. What? My, my, my recurring dream, and it's, it's pretty regular, is um, it's, it's hosting SNL. I'm hosting SNL, and I either... Am, I've been forced on stage during the monologue or it's oh. the middle of the show and I don't know it's like yeah. I didn't go to rehearsal or like why I can't remember anything that we rehearsed why didn't you go to rehearsal and just because of the function of your brain when you're dreaming none of the letters make any sense yeah. so you, all these things are scrawled on cards and I, I can't quite and so that, that for me is a for some reason it's, it's SNL wow I really want to see you host SNL now I, that's never going to happen Oh, I would love to really good. but I'm not that you got to be a certain Hashtag Hardwick must host. <laughs> I think you could host SNL before I would. I would be able to host SNL. Oh well, I just that be ruined fun? this chair when you said that. What? <laughs> Aww. I was nervous on your show. The whole like impl- get in this I'm bathtub used, full of noodles. Give me the lines ahead of time and let me learn them. That'd be really fun. I think you could. I think you could host SNL. I think it'd be great. That'd be really fun. Oh stop! Hashtag Clark to host. No. <laughs> It'd be fun if they just if they just infused a bunch of Marvel folks in uh, in SNL. I think that'd be great. I used to hear stories about people who hosted it. Like what? <laughs> this may be apocryphal. Okay. But I, I used to, I'm a huge Chris Walken fan, and I would, sure. anyone, anyone I knew who dealt with him, I would try to get stories. And there was a story that at the beginning of the week, they would go around in a circle and talk about possible ideas that would work for that host. And Chris Walken was hosting, and he was listening very kind of stoically to all the things. And they got around to him. And there's a long pause, and he goes, bear suits are funny. He's <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. He's not wrong. Not remotely wrong. Did your wife ever host SNL? She was asked, and in terror, she turned it down, and it's one of those things she regrets to this day. I can understand. And doesn't regret at the same sure, time. Sure, sure, sure. It's supposed to be a very scary ride. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's... Uh... That you know you have to write the show in less than a week and then rehearse it and then and then perform it and you know you get one shot you get one shot at it. Well, I think they do a practice show, but then you get one shot at the. Uh... I'd feel better if I knew if all goes wrong, we can use 
the take from the practice show. I feel like I would feel like, Did they okay, do that? I don't think so. I don't think so. But Maybe it'd be they nice do. if there was a little bit of a safety net. But I, I guess that's what I there what's... is. I, I don't know. I but, mean, I, I went, somebody, somebody I knew was a page there, like in the late 80s, and invited me to go watch. I remember I went and watched, and Elvis Costello, who I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan, was playing. And I walked in, I sat there, and they started playing the music, and I went, oh, man, this is why I moved to New York. I loved the show so much when it first came on in the in the late 1800s and I, <laughs> I when was it was on so Zoetrope. obsessed with it the sense of humor the bands the idea of New York there and I realized as I was listening to the band play this totally is why I moved here and now I live here and I forgot it was completely because of this So was Elvis Costello the, just the musical guest? He was or, the musical guest. Who was the host? Like I said, this was the late 1800s. Um, <laughs> so it was probably was uh, Old Hickory? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt? It was um, Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> <laughs> the whole sketch was, Watson, come here, I need you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Watson, come in here. Never and gets old. Bathe me in these noodles. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a steampunk bathtub. They, they were very aware that steampunk, steampunk was an aesthetic. they knew. Time. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. More brass. Watson, I need more brass. Uh I, so I'm trying to remember is Elvis Costello because he's been on a bunch. Elvis Costello's been on a bunch. many times. I think this might he have been, has been on a few times. Well, he got banned. There was a whole story. This was not that time. He'd been ba- he was back on by then. He, this might have been the Veronica tour. So he had a that was the Mighty Like a Rose, to, right? That was Mighty Veronica. Like a Rose. I think was was the, the album with Veronica was the one that had God's comic. Yeah, which is a fucking amazing song. And he, that's also when Elvis went through his crazy, like, I have a giant beard and I look all weird. That was He was, he was Brooklyn before Brooklyn was That Brooklyn. was 88, 89. I remember that one. I remember that one. Yeah, because of Radio Radio. What, uh, so why don't I know this story? Because I remember th- there was the one. Is that why they did the thing where um, the Beastie Boys started playing it and then he rushes on? No, it was about they didn't want him to play the song Radio Radio, which was about kind of corruption in the music business. In Thatcher, England, and so he felt it didn't apply to American culture and he wanted to play less than zero because it was the new single. So he gets halfway through playing Radio Radio and goes, Oh, this is totally irrelevant. One, two, three. And he goes, I can't play this here. Zero. Yeah. I thought it was that they told him not to play this and he played Watching the detectives instead. I don't know. See, it's because they came to him and they said, "Hey, Elvis. Um, instead of saying, uh, could we get much higher? Can you say, girl? We can't get any better.' Right. <laughs> I always heard it was a censorship thing that he wasn't happy about, and that's why they banned him. I, I just had heard about it recently. They said, "Don't play this here." And then it's maybe he just added a bunch of things. Radio is a giant blowjob, sucking titties and a poop and a farts. And they're like, "Okay, well, you can't." In the noodles with the. <laughs> In the steampunk bathtub. <laughs> Watson, come here. I need you. With some rump ramen soup. So, <laughs> Ooh, done yet. So basically what we've mashed up is Elvis Costello is playing Alexander Graham Bell in a sketch about a Craigslist ad in the late 1800s. I know. I'm old and you've maybe <laughs> didn't get sober soon enough. <laughs> I definitely didn't get sober soon enough. <laughs> You know, I, I actually, I think about that sometimes, actually, in all seriousness. I go, do you know, you know, what if I hadn't been drinking all through my 20s? And I feel like, you know, though, I got to, I got 10 good years of tearing shit up. I, that's, a, that's good. You yeah. know, I'm good with that. That's how I feel about it. I don't mind wasting my 20s on, you know, with that. Because I feel like, ultimately, my dad always said, like, I, my, da- my dad was a, my dad, who was not a sci-fi guy, he had a basic tenet of time travel theory, which was... I don't have any regrets because if I would have changed even one small thing, then it would have affected where I am today, and I'm happy where I am today. Yeah. So he never, my, he never had any regrets about anything, and I think that's a pretty good, you know. Like you, I've you, been reading some of the latest string theory, and I can tell <laughs> him sadly that that's incorrect. What? No. <laughs> oh um, no. It's just a different multiverse. Late- any choice you make is just a different multiverse. Brian Green. <laughs> yes. Damn that Brian Green! How dare it's he? It's not so elegant, bro. Sorry, bro. Um, I know. I I like to, I too <laughs> so elegant, bro. You know? You, okay, you're you, you, okay. You make that joke. I met that guy. I met dude, bro, physicist guy at a party. Name drop at Dave Foley's house about ten years ago, and I remember because I was still drinking at the time, and we were talking about. 
We were talking about like the you know multi many universes, and the, and there was a guy who was dropping science in a no bro because uh, string theory says, and he, it was a lot of bros, and yeah. he did the hand gesture and and fucking like he would say that. Was in it between, Brian Green? It was not Brian Green. I think it was Brian Austin Green. <laughs> <laughs> wow! If you were setting that up that whole time, I'm kind of blown away. Wow. <laughs> That Megan Fox got some super strings. Huh? Was, it, was it Eva Green? It was not. It was Eva Green. Yeah, it was Eva Green. Oh, love Eva Green. That's so. Apparently, What's not she's, to love? she's apparently she's super nerdy, like like crazy smart. Eva Green speaks many languages. I believe you. She's French. She, I saw she's Algerian. She was right? in. She French was naked Al- most of the time. She's Algerian. I met her. She's because, not Algerian. I believe she is. Wow, Katie. That's a, oh good. We have. We have we have the internet. We have the internet because right because I moderate. Is there thing in there about being Algerian? Um, yeah, definitely. She's for Algerian. Fuck yeah! Yeah, from downtown. Yeah, finally, my internet stocking is paid off. Because <laughs> um, I, I moderated the 300 panel at Comic Con last year and. When she said uh, on the panel, she was like, oh, I'm really just a nerd. Like in that sultry voice. And I'm like, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> but uh, I think she might be. I think she might be. I want someone to stand up at Comic-Con some year and go, never read a comic. Don't really like this stuff. Uh, the shit's weak, bro. Here to talk about super string theory. Brian Austin Green. What, bro? What, bro? <laughs> we went to Eva Green. Yeah. But we started with... Brian Green. He went to Brian Austin and Green. And being drunks. And then Brian Austin Green is going to the Transformers panel to say to uh, Michael Bay, what'd you do to my wife, dickhead? Right. And then there's a weird, they have a weird thing there. I don't think Brian Austin Green is that guy, but it sounds funny. Yeah, no, the three name thing. Just always feel like a good setup. What's your, what's your middle name? It's Clark. What's your first name? I don't want to say. People will call me it. Is it Martha Clark Kent? Martha Clark Greg. <laughs> What's the father's name? I'm, I'm, this is just bad memory. Jonathan. Jonathan Kent. Uh, my name is Robert Clark Gregg. My what? dad is Robert. I've always been Clark. Robert's a good... If you were down south, you could be R.C. R.C. Gregg. R.C. Cola. R.C. Gregg. Yes. Uh, old Gregg. Oh, oh, I'm old Gregg. <laughs> it's my daughter's favorite thing I'm in the world. I'm old Gregg. I'm old Gregg. Do you like me? Oh, my God. Do you love me? I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, Do you if, like me? Make an assessment. The Mighty Boosh. The, okay. Very funny. That that sketch will show you not only uh, the capacity that British comedy has to tangent onto things, oh my God. but also even they it's must have the been like... Things. Bill Paxton turned me onto it when he was doing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Really? He called me old Greg and I was like, mean. And he goes, <laughs> no, no, you don't know old Greg. And he showed it to me on an iPad and I was just gobsmacked. The fact that it then turns into a giant homage to the kind of transcendental powers of Parliament Funkadelic and Bootsy Collins, yeah. my favorite band. It just I, They were just going, how far can we make this go? How far can it possibly go? Playing your love games with me. <laughs> Sorry, this is like the worst inside joke. <laughs> no, not if people have seen it. But the uh, um, is you're, you're, you're a Parliament fan. Have you ever seen him live? Yeah, many times. I not, s- not lately. I've seen I've seen uh, George Clinton with his separate group when he put out a couple of those records. I've seen Parliament. It was one of my the Mothership tour was one of my first concerts. Wow, because I saw them. I'd covered them for something. Year, like maybe like in a cover band. Like in a, I did not cover their music. <laughs> We you are not just knee deep. Yes. Give us that bump <laughs> now. Um, na 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 na. It was at a. I know no, the I background a, vocals to P Funk. It was a. Uh, I was in a free design Parliament Funkadelic mashup band. <laughs> um, but the uh, I covered them for something years and years ago, and so I got to go on their tour bus and be at one of be at one of their shows. And the amazing thing about it, as you know, is that there's like. Three busloads full of people. On stage. They're just a strange family. Often it's, it's, Maceo Parker from the James Brown Band. Yeah, I mean, an amazing... Bernie of, Worrell, the amazing keyboard player. And then some people who you're not really sure what they do. They're just part of the, they're just part of the circus of the show. They help keep the vibe They keep alive. the vibe. And yeah. so they just start playing. And at some point, George Clinton feels like, 
now I now it's okay for me to go on stage. And you never really know when that point is going to be, apparently. And then he just kind of wanders out and does his thing. He's usually wearing so- something that's like a jumpsuit that like Elvis gave him, and then he took it to Don Cornelius, and they fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of Elvis's fuck-ups, I see. <laughs> that is a great period of... I, I feel like... If Everyone I, who's under 45 has now tuned out. Well, look it up on the internet, yeah, God kids. damn it. We knew funk. Yes, we want it. We wanted the funk. We want we the it. funk. You don't have the funk now. We'll give you the funk. <laughs> Get off my funk lawn. The P-funk, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. It's so true. It, it's, it's freaky to think that uh, basically I always kind of – I always do the math of – uh, I was wa- I was watching some old Nirvana videos the other day where where Butch Vig was talking about how they like oh we doubled Kurt's voice and then we dropped Dave Grohl and then we doubled his voice on Lithium and uh, I was watching that going wow that was twenty years ago yeah and at that time twenty years before would have been like just the birth of disco and then I think twenty years before that was the fifties like, it just it freaks me out to think that. That that period of time of grunge is basically a twenty a cycle. It's just it freaks me out a little bit. Oh yeah, I mean I'm just now ready to hear some disco again. You're ready for it 40, again? 40, 30, 40 years later, I'm I'm good. Okay, <laughs> once in a while I'll hear like beep beep toot toot. Okay, I can take it. It's amazing how fast disco took over, and then how once it once the clock turned 1980, how much everyone hated it. Like it became the biggest. Like oh yeah. My daughter will sometimes put on something with that 4-4 disco beat and then just, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't care who it is. I got to say, though, the Bee Gees, they're pre- pretty good. Yeah, they, they, they aged very well as their music. Yes, they of course. They themselves had more trouble with it, as we all do. Yeah, of course. You know, time is a vicious asshole that uh, rages on us and trolls our bodies. I'm stealing that. Please. <laughs> For what? That's going on my tombstone far too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Time is a vicious asshole that trolls our bodies. Mm-hmm. Clark Gregg. Robert Clark Gregg. Stole it from Hardwick. <laughs> what are you going to do about it now? Yeah, come get me, bro. You could totally sue my ashes. That's re- <laughs> <laughs> You could totally plagiarize your headstone. Sue my vast estate from being a character actor for Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Your, your headstone is just two middle fingers. That's not true. That's not fair. It, it was once true. It's no longer. Right <laughs> so now that now that trust me is is it is it out yet or it's coming out? It's coming out May sixth. Trust then me, June sixth. Thanks so much for getting us back there. Yeah. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Trust me. This uh, little film that I made um, with a spectacular cast is actually. A kind of weird indie comedy that is being released in the way that a lot of indie films are being released now. It's very unusual. And yet, I don't know, like a lot of this stuff, it's scary because it's so different than the model that we kind of have used for so long. At the same time, it's kind of exciting. It's different. Trust Me comes out first digitally, Mm -hmm. I will say. I don't even know what it all means. But iTunes on uh, May 6th, um, on demand, on a PlayStation you can rack up your share of kills mm-hmm. on Call of Duty and then flick a couple of switches and be watching this watch, trust me. intense, comedic noir mm-hmm. about uh, an agent for child actors. <laughs> well, At some right. point, I'm sure you're going to be able to use your controller to blow me away in that movie. But That's the next phase. That's the next, that's the next phase. Sorry, I didn't buy that. Yeah, that's right. Another take, and then that's where they're just rifling through oh, all the takes that you the did. They are the great SAG overseers. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be, and a child shall lead them. And it's just a bunch of kids who take over SAG and turn all the movies into video games. Yes. <gasps> that would be amazing. Well, that's what happened with the... Uh, that's why I love the South Park video games so much, because you actually are in South Park. And you're interacting. I've never played it. I didn't know that. It Although just came when out. I first pitched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I th- and there was a lot of danger in the first episode, I was like, oh, I'm Kenny. <laughs> you're going to kill me every week, aren't you? And they were kind of like, no, hey... They killed Agent Coulson. Hey. You bastards. We still got some of that stuff. Yeah. Every show's got a Kenny. Just someone that they feel like, you know, we can just kill this guy over and over again, and it's totally, it's totally fine. Such a great device. People want to see... It's funny. People want to see you killed, but they're like, but we don't want him to go away. Yeah. It's just fun to watch him get killed, but then we want him to come back Yeah, no, the same I've, time. I've seen that. 
I don't want to spoil anything. If you haven't seen uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, uh, close your earbuds. Uh, there's been certainly some people going, oh, Jasper Sitwell. And I'm like, yeah, Max Hernandez, good guy. But Hydra. Hydra. Sorry, Hydra. I guess um, Captain America, the Summer Soldier, is more of like a notebook style uh, romantic. It's uh, about a vacation. Nobody can find any block. Rachel McAdams is in it because she's just, because you have to. The encoded notebook. (laughs) (laughs) We have to break the code. We have to discover that Hydra's behind everything during a month-long summer romance. uh, Out of the shadows. Into your boudoir. (laughs) (laughs) Captain America, the summer soldier. Are you listening, Feige? Are you listening? I'm helping you expand your universe into other demographics. I mean, you almost have an executive position at Marvel at this point. I mean, I see it that way. If I don't see you in Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Oh, I didn't get to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. I just want to pop up in one super. Have you not? No, I've never been in... Listen, even if I could just be like, here's your churro, uh, Captain America. I don't don't know why he would stop for a churro. That was my gig. It's now... (laughs) open that used to be my hey hulk want a jamba juice (laughs) and that was i thought what i was gonna do yes i got the i got the green boost thank god for joss (laughs) (laughs) yes the green boost and so did you my friend yes seriously seriously okay i'm gonna okay should i keep going or should i should walk out okay okay i should walk out you need me for it okay no okay no more no more Uh, black widow you good okay it's good You good? You need a need some leather scrub. Uh, scrub. <laughs> need a little leather scrub <laughs> in a bathtub full of noodles. Yeah. Okay, you're good. Hawkeye arrows. Good. All right. Nope. Got that endless supply there, don't you? Yeah. They're just. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a never-ending pasta bowl of. Uh... Cap, you want me to polish your shield orang? <laughs> How does that thing keep coming back? Some crazy English you put on that thing, brother. He's a super soldier. He's so cute. He can do whatever he wants. He's a super soldier. Yes, he is. It is really great, though. I abs- I really loved Winter Soldier, and it was so... Me too. And, and you know, and Captain America... Captain's a tough... Captain America's a tough character because... He beat Batrock. Well, he's... It's sort of, you know... He's such a... You, you always know exactly where that guy is. Like, his alignment... Like, these types of lawful good characters... Can run the risk of being boring because you, they're very predictable. You always know what they're going to do. But they managed to give him depth and they made it, even just the tone of the movie and the look of it, it just, it felt, it felt yeah. real good. It felt I, real I, good. I, I got to give it up. I feel like what, what Joss did in the Avengers, certainly they wrote the hell out of the script for Winter Soldier, but the, the sadness of a guy who's kind of lost everybody. Mm-hmm. So gave, and Chris played the hell out of it, that depth, that that layer it really needed because you never you like so much with superhero stuff especially if you're reading the comics out of it you just sort of take for granted oh yeah 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 i mean he was you know yeah he was brought into this time oh, tell me about there. it of course you know fine what that's would it given. really feel like to come back from the dead you know you have to kind of god uh, i did i hosted singled out and then <laughs> nothing for years i did i ultimately came back from the dead my, mine felt pretty good that's though. the theme of this podcast then coming back from the dead yes indeed no hydra Hardwick lives. Stop saying that. What am that? I saying? What? I was just. Okay. I'm just saying. Hydra came back. I feel like. It, I feel like if there were a Hydra, it would be producing like the Kardashian. Ryan Seacrest is Hydra. I just figured it out. <laughs> I just figured. If you it hold out. the Hydra emblem up to the light, you can totally see his company's logo. Yeah, that you totally see RSP Ryan Seacrest Productions, and Hydra's catchphrase is "Hey, buddy!" Like you can totally see it. <laughs> McConaughey. No, I don't think it's. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Hydra, Hydra, Hydra. (laughs) True, true detective. Oh, I saw a great picture on Reddit. It was uh, some artist that basically. They they wrote Hail Hydrant, and next to a hydrant, they had painted a bunch of octopus legs. Uh, it's a really good thing I've seen it. Yeah, it's a good. I love a good meme. I love. Oh man, the memes have been out there. The. Bert and Ernie whispering Hail Hydra in each other's ears, <laughs> all of them. No, not Ernie. They got Ernie. But that's how you know. That's how you know that you made something special is when, like, it, meme, meme status is good. Meme status is good. It can't be bad. Are you, uh, do you spend a lot of time on the internet or does it frighten, do, 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 you, do you shy away from it because it's too immersive? <laughs> yes and yes. I, I don't shy, except for the shying away part. I spend, I spend a fair amount of time there. It's, it's became my territory a little bit in that, uh, you know, the fandom 
the fandom has such interesting things to say. And one of the interesting things they said was that they that Coulson lives, mm-hmm. and they were very much kind of instrumental. The guys that, when they told me, listen, you know. Joss wasn't kidding. You have a great part in, in the Avengers. What happens to you is what brings them together. I was like, what? wait, what? Um, <laughs> they said, oh, no, it's going to be good. You're going you're to die and everyone's going to be sad. And I was like, have you seen the other movies? I'm a little snarky. I'm kind of an annoying bureaucrat. You know, to a certain, like, no, 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 trust me. And I was kind of convinced, like, people were like, oh, thank God that guy's gone. Yeah. And uh, so when they kind of started that movement and there was kind of hashtag Colson lives everywhere, I was frankly very grateful and moved, and I think it's why we have this show. So I got I got into the Twitter, what the kids are doing with the Twitter, mm-hmm. and my daughter got me doing Instagram, and uh, it's fascinating to me. I like it. I would like to spend a little bit less time, although ABC says, you know, let's do the live tweeting, and it, it's actually really fun. Well, of course. I mean, it's fun in the right in the right doses and in the right way. I mean, there are su- there are every once in a while there's a tweet that's less fun than some of sure. the others. And as much as we as much as we complain because, you know, obviously as performers we're insecure and so when people tweet mean things at us it scratches at nerves that we have of think feeling like, "Oh, of course, I'm not good enough and that's this is the person calling me out on that or whatever." But oh, yeah. but there's a lot of really great wonderful supportive people and communities uh, online that, you know, like I can't even I think it, I think it'd be really boring to have been a performer when it was, you know, there's a great, there's a vast separation between me and the audience. Like there were, there were periods, a period of time where performers had no contact with any of their audience, didn't see them, didn't give a shit about them, just sort of did their thing and then lived in seclusion away from the huddled masses. Yeah. I mean, you know, had a kind of almost derision or just, yeah, don't bother me. Yeah, they, I think I think they were missing out. I mean, I, I came up doing theater for years, and it a very intense interaction, even in a silent audience. Hopefully, not always silent, but that you felt. And some I, when I first started working in kind of TV and movies, and you do it, and it's kind of something. Mean, if you're lucky, you get one of the grips to laugh a little. <laughs> But you don't really know what's yeah. landing and what's not. And so to kind of be on there in the live tweet and see people going, connecting with what you're doing is huge. Yeah. And I think it's, in a way, it's really brought that back to a medium that was very isolating for actors and filmmakers. But then also, uh, it also means that you have to be a bit more accountable, which I think is, I think is okay. Yeah, let's, you know, it's funny you say that because I got in some hot water. What? I got in some hot water. Were there noodles in there? <laughs> would that there were Uh-oh. I would have a, a lovely butt broth were they, were they rage but instead it was rage noodles it was it was it was funny because we were we just shot a long day this season middle of the season and they said you know we're, we're going to bring in these clusters of journalists and I was sitting on the plane with young Chloe Bennett one of my charges and yep. shield and someone I care about a lot kind of not 10 feet away and out of the throng this guy burst out and said uh, what do you think about all the geeks who bailed on your show I was like, well, I don't, I don't think they have. But I, was, I totally hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, he's like, oh, no, they have. I'm a geek. We've, we've bailed on your show. And I was like, uh, well, those aren't geeks. Those are losers. Well, of course. Okay. So I can already see <sighs> down the line how... Did, now, was that written in print or was that... It a, came out in print. See, that's the problem. It came out in print. You don't get And, and you know, like to us, it was... Those are... I mean, I was... I was trying to. You're trying to. You're I was trying to make. Snark- it, I was trying to diffuse it with a snarky joke. Trying like, to snark your way out of it because it's not even losers. It's losers, right? You know, like my daughter. He's really, he's a loser, and it was not what I would retroactively have said. I don't think anyone who was having problems with the way the show was going is a loser. I never thought that. But if you saw that in the, if you saw but the it video of pe- it, if you yeah. saw the video of it, then you go, oh, he's obviously fucking around. I also got it was on my plane. I, you know, I have trouble separating between Colson. I've got young Sky 10 feet away. Don't you, there's people who are giving their, all of their waking hours to make this work. Don't you come yeah, in and that, trash that guy, me that so That guy rudely. was baiting you with something confrontational. And because how are you supposed to answer that, it really? It worked. Ah, you know what? I regret it. And people were like, this really hurt my feelings. You said that. And I was like, I didn't want to get into it. I let it go. But it was something I really felt bad about. And I realized, like, wow, I'm really, I feel very protective of the people who work here. And I... I got goaded into something and bam, it's out there and it's printed and it's, I don't know, I didn't feel like in print it came out in any way how I it meant it. got away it. from you. Yeah. And took on a life of its own. But then you could always fire back with, well, why'd you bail on my show, bro? Why'd you fucking bail on my show, bro? I know. I said, what I really said, I think was like, well, 
let me explain that because I think you got under my skin a little bit. I said, I grew up loving Marvel Comics. And to me, anybody who did, when Marvel first tries to do a TV show, not with the 30-year-old characters, but with a whole bunch of new characters and a minor character who is dead, it might take a minute. You might give them a moment, you know, before you bail. Yeah. Well, Which is a more reasonable response than I'm, calling somebody. I, I wonder if it was presented in the way that it was. I wonder if his side was presented to the reading audience the way that it was presented to you. Of like, well, I, I'm one of these geeks and we bailed. Like that's, that's essentially. I, you know, it's funny you say that. The, the thing that got under my skin was, are you speaking for all of a club that I actually feel like I'm part of? Right. But I don't know. It's interesting. It was interesting to see how much. People came after me. It was interesting. Something Twitter, which is a really enjoyable space for me. For a minute, there was some people really coming after me saying, really. I always, I like to make people accountable for, because to say we, when you really mean I, is kind of a chicken shit move because you're basically, you're pawning off. My biggest complaint with a lot of what we do in our culture now is pawning off responsibility for things, you know, and being like, well, we as a group. And it was when I go, Okay, well, who are who is who's the yeah. collective group of we? Yes, of course there are some people, but who are you aligning yourself? It's the with? low road. It's like when you're in an argument with someone and they go, "I'm not the only one who." Yeah, exactly. This. I'm not the only one. You know, a lot of us have been talking, and yes, like, I, I don't. I, listen, I've been defending you, but I don't know what they're. And and I feel like it, it's it's more respectful to just say I have bailed from your show, but people are afraid to to do that. And you know, the truth of the matter is, this person probably. Maybe, you know, he and some of his friends, maybe they bailed. But it's still to say, like, the geeks, like, we all have bailed and it's us and I'm the speaker. I was the non-appointed speaker and we all feel this. I feel like that's that's unfair and that's baiting. And 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 unfortunately, sometimes it works because I our jumped. feelings get hurt. Yes. Yeah. And then you uh, put that guy's teeth I'm down so his throat, sorry. right? You I'm so sorry. Oh, that he's... Guy. No, he's totally Hydra. <laughs> what? He's Ryan Seacrest? <laughs> hey, buddy, all the geeks bailed on the show. What are you going to do, buddy? Well, I'm glad that you... Uh, and, and then when you did get to sort of tell your side of it, were people like, oh, okay. I didn't really. I saved it for now. <gasps> Another Clark yeah. Gregg exclusive. Let it all go away. And I, I think it's best. I've learned in the years since I quit drinking that um, <laughs> it's best to take a moment and think things through and let, let those feelings... Yeah, try not, try not to comment emotionally. Try not to email or tweet or anything when you're feeling emotional because emotions are, uh, they're not your ground state. And you may, fee- you may feel something in a moment that you might not feel. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's an interesting part of our social media interactivity that I worry about a lot. I have a 12-year-old daughter, you know, her friends, they're all into Instagram. And if anything had been out there that would permanently record my thoughts and feelings as any as a 12, 20, or even 30-year-old, oh, that would not be good. Sure. The impulsive thoughts. God forbid a photograph. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, of New York, me, circa 1981. No, bad. <laughs> Just came out of the mud club, 7 in the morning. No, that should not be anywhere. Well, that's unfortunately... I mean, it's fortunately or unfortunately the way the way it is now. It's just like, well, everything's fair game. You know, we live public lives now. And that's, you know, as we've transitioned from the isolated existences that we had before social media and now, people do feel entitled, like, to have it all. They get it all. And if you, you know... If you it is. It's a dangerous way, Asgardian scepter to play with. Like, here, I want to court <laughs> this level of interactivity with a vast number of people I don't know. And at the same time... Uh oh, yeah. Because it's a scary thing to think that. I mean, look. As much as people can hop on something that someone said, even if it's taken out of context, or even if that person did, even if you did mean that, and you're like, "Oh fuck, all those people are losers," you're a human being, and you're entitled in a moment to have an emotion. But I, I, I feel like sometimes <laughs> that we as a culture are a little unforgiving of people, and 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 we oftentimes don't think. Well, if everything I said in a day was recorded or if everything I said in, you know, like in, during one conversation was recorded and taken out of context, how many things could people misconstrue as me just being able to be written off as a dick as opposed to, oh, I'm a human being and sometimes in interactions yes, things happen. because everything's recorded. And the fact is, I believe some people t- sometimes, most people sometimes will say the worst thing they can think of because they're that triggered. Yeah. They're that 
tweaked or they're that upset, what's the meanest thing I can say? And suddenly that can be on the record. Yeah. Well, I've seen, I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen some paparazzi, like when someone's coming out of a place and they want to get a picture of them, they'll say really shitty, mean things so the person will turn and react. And if it's, if it's kind of like a quizzical or an angry look, then they immediately get to use those like on Us Magazine, so-and-so storms out of restaurant. Like they're basically trying to coax. And the real pro uh, performers, just they don't react. I cannot help but react to things. So I would be like, wait a minute. And then I would totally get trapped. I'm very easy to bait. Me too, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. I mean, it's funny. It's one of the things... It's one of the things that made me want to write this film, Trust Me, which, which is... It sounds like I'm just trying to get it back to Trust Me. No, no, no. There is this mania. There is this American obsession. It's probably global, but it feels... This American obsession with celebrity now that's kind of... It's the reality shows. People will see... And I guess to me it started... I started to be aware of the kind of creepier elements of it when I saw like some of the those daytime talk shows. I guess they were in the eighties. Uh, Jerry Springer. Oh I yeah. People are willing to subject themselves to the most ridiculous level of humiliation if they can be on TV for a minute. Yeah. That was a '90s phenomenon when you had your Sally Jesse Raphael and your Richard Bay and Ricky Lake and Geraldo and I mean and it all sort of. I think it spawned out of uh, like the Phil Donahue era oh. of daytime talk shows being sort of like, oh, we're really going to break things down and try to understand them. But then it just became... Jerry, Jerry. Yeah. And I'd be sitting there, unfortunately, more empathic than any human. I'd be going, it's not his kid. <laughs> it's, I thought, he just found out it's not his kid. Oh, it's his best friend's kid. And they're sitting right there. This is awful. Turn it off. Oh, some shit's gonna go down. <laughs> I know. I feel. I feel too much sadness for humanity to get a thrill out of that stuff. Like I don't. I watch this stuff and I don't think it's funny. I just go, God damn it, these poor people. Yeah. But they go on willingly. They know what the yeah. show is. I mean, you know, you can't watch the Jerry Springer show for years and go on and be like, they got me. Like you gotta fucking. You probably know what the what the score is going into that. And but do you? Well, do you really But know? I even question the I question the veracity of m- most of it. I've spent my life studying acting. What's good acting? And I would watch those people going, that guy this is either real or that's the best work <laughs> I've seen in 3 months. <laughs> I wonder if there's anything it would be fun to do some kind of a thought where are they now? Uh, either where are they now or Sort of like the... I'm going to reach back a little bit. The plot of the film Rhinestone, where Dolly Parton spots Sylvester Stallone as a cat, where she says to her manager, I'm going to make a country star out of the next person I see. And then up... This is in the trailer that I remember. Then up pulls uh, Sylvester Stallone. Hey, who needed a cab? That guy is impossible to turn into a country star. And of course they do it. So how do you turn... Somehow, Yeah. against all odds, Yeah. you just made a compelling pitch for me to see that movie. <laughs> Oh my god, I had no idea that's what it's about. <laughs> you know they pitched that in the room and the executives were like, home run, good yeah, night. Done, done. Here's a bag of money and go. Or else it's it. probably started with, look, I just need something for Sly. Yeah, he's got anything. A, I don't care he wants what to it step is. Outside his comfort he wants, zone, yeah. but he's looking to do a country comedy. Do you have that or something where like his mom, his mom's a cop too. Yeah. Stop or my mom, my mom will blow your head off. Cupcakes, blow your oh, head off. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Stop or my mom will shoot. You a dirty look. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, I think this was in the mid to late eighties. It was uh, uh, Sly was at his peak. Dolly Parton was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure. And that that pitch. What if Dolly Parton could turn this fucking guy into a? I don't even know if I really remember the movie. I just remember the trailer, and I feel like the trailer is all you need to know. Oh no. There's a whole. Are you going to watch Ryan? Many levels Katie, beyond that. It's like Chekhov. Is on, is on <laughs> yes, I can check that off my list of films that I don't need to see. Yeah, see if Rhinestone's on. Uh, watch it now on Netflix. And if you can't find it, be Trust sure to check me. out Trust Me on Demand <laughs> or iTunes. I guarantee you. May fifth or May sixth or June sixth. If you want to go see it on, on in, in theaters, theater. in yeah, to start with ten or twelve cities and. Oh, just DVD only? God damn it. Licensing fees. 
Or, you know, what you could do is go to a movie theater with your laptop and watch, trust me, uh, but just watch watch on your laptop like six seconds behind what's what happening in the theater so that you could drive people crazy by making them feel time distorted. <laughs> this is about to be funny. And then Brian Austin Green's like, no, bro, your computer's not alternate universe. Bro. Should we get Brian Austin Green on the podcast at some point and find out if he understands bro physics? See if you can pull some strings. Oh, some super strings. <laughs> some vibrating coils of alternate reality. Spoiler, in an alternate universe that already happened. As a result of this conversation. That's right. In an alternate universe, Brian Austin Green actually is a physicist. <laughs> in an alternate universe, people listen to us and actually do stuff we say. In an alternate universe, Megan Fox is an actual talking fox. Yeah, that's right. That's the one I want to live in. <laughs> in an alternate universe, Coulson does not live. What? Oh, that makes me sad. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, Hydra. <clears throat> then I mean to, in an alternate universe, you work for Hydra. Oh, God, that's probably true. That is true. Season two, spoiler. In an alternate universe. Oh, my God. Um, so what else? Anything in an alternate else? universe, what? Captain America 3. Summer title, Hail Summer Hydra Soldier. Summer Soldier. No, Summer Soldier. Yes. Summer Soldstress. <laughs> where it's, it's, it's the longest. Captain America's. A, okay, I'm going to justify this. He's a lady soldier? He's a lady soldier, and it's the longest day of his year being a lady sol- soldstress. Because he slipped into a wormhole. He slipped into a wormhole. Where Bucky Barnes. Yes, that's right. And He's still a good guy. And Matthew McConaughey from Contact is there. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> and I am the Yellow King. How do, I, <laughs> how do I know that the same universe you perceive is not the same one I perceive, Bubba? Anybody got a beer can and want to make some paper dolls? <laughs> <laughs> I think Clark Gregg doing Matthew McConaughey on the podcast might be... One of the low lights. Nope, it's a highlight. <laughs> in an alternate universe, it's a low light. That's all I do in my new film, Trust Me. So, um, <laughs> I just got to say, you, uh, how do you feel knowing that all the geeks bailed on your McConaughey bit? Sad. <laughs> but I accept their decision, and I love them always, whether they love me back or not. Now over. that I'm more evolved and I've gotten over my knee-jerk yeah. angry reactions. <laughs> Clark Gregg gets a mulligan. Uh, I'm an oldest of four. I'm a very protective... <laughs> Of my younger siblings. I withdraw my question. Oh, this went yes, on for ages. It's... <laughs> it's, you have to give the longest, most convoluted, sad answer, so they're just like, I, never mind. Yes, do you have demonstrable proof in more than a few multiverses that all the geeks bailed on my show? Because they might regret it. You never know. It's going to get cool. Some of them will, some of them won't. We don't know. We don't know. Observed. Exactly. Hydra's Berg Uncertainty Principle. Nice. Thanks. I pulled it all together. You let the together. Schrodinger's cat out of the bag. Oh, or did I? Did you? In I one world know. you did, and one you didn't. Well, it depends on if I was it's, looking at your bag. It's, it's living right now in a non-specific state. We, like me. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> Shit, bro. How do I know I can't measure the vector and velocity at the same time unless I'm observing that I also, I also fuck up the experiment? Sorry, no photons. What? No photons. <laughs> oh! Nice. This is interesting to all 11 people who like this stuff. <laughs> the Heisenberg uncertainty paparazzi. No photons. Oh, that's amazing. I think that's a perfect place. I think that's a, that, is a, that is a stuck landing right there as we draw this hour-long podcast to a close. Oh, good. Thank you. Trust me. Thanks for having me. Trust me, you will enjoy Trust Me. In the multiverse where you did. That's right. You've, where you've already seen it. Yes. And it's already been made. Where Matthew McConaughey actually plays Clark Gregg's character in an alternate universe. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. 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 Trust me. (laughs) Did you, uh, oh, you know what? Cut this part out. We'll talk about it afterwards because I talked about it on a recent podcast. But did you, I'll ask you afterwards. It was a movie he was in that it was, anyway. Which? Uh, Bernie. Did you see Bernie? I didn't see Bernie, but it's great. It is great. Yeah. Quality. It's real great. But I just we just I just talked about it on the on the Jim Rash podcast. So I'll I'll, but I'll tell you about it after we stop. Um, Clark, are you Clark Gregg on Instagram? Just Clark Gregg on Instagram. Okay, Clark Gregg on Instagram. Clark Gregg on the tweets. Trust me on the Netflixes and the movie theaters. Uh, Clark Gregg official page on Facebook. It's actually something I've been doing a lot. Nice. You making a little um, like a dream journal on there? You wake up and just write about your thoughts and dreams. What I do is I put my dreams in a dream catcher, mm-hmm. and then I post a picture of that, and I let the true psychics. 
Tell me what happened. I put I put I put my dreams in a dream catcher, and then I ask Rachel McAdams to hold it, <laughs> um, and then she talks about love a lot. It's real pretty. It's real pretty. <laughs> Rachel, are you you're a Rachel McAdams fan. Big, yeah. Who's not? I mean, it's everyone. Are you going to McAdams Con this year? I just watched Mean Girls. Oh, good movie. She was super mean. Yeah, she was a mean girl. But in life, I heard she's really nice. She's probably really nice. Have her on. I yeah okay in one of the multiverses you just did I already did she was great (laughs) we can summon her we should be able to double stream this into a physics for knuckleheads (laughs) podcast as well I want to learn more about physics tell me about Newtonian law So every action has an equal and opposite reaction it does if you sit in a bathtub full of noodles. noodles. Could Dolly Parton turn me into a country star? <laughs> Have we stopped recording? No. This <laughs> is going to go on. Okay, you cut that part. Okay. Tell me your dreams, Clark. I'm being followed by a dream catcher. Dream catcher, dream catcher. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't even know now. Now we're just... Now we're just free Stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah. Black, white, dog, cat, open, close. No, we stop. We'll get out before then. Uh... <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. Hail Hydra. I will never say it. What? <laughs> oh, so me. what is that? Um, what's that like frozen rain that falls down? It's sort of like balls of, of ice, ice balls that fall out of the sky. Snow. No, 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 no. It's, it's harder. It's, sleet? It's like, it, no, it's like sleet, but it's thicker. It's thicker. I will never say it. <sighs> Damn it. Not until season two. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Spoilers! Okay. (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace.com. Use the offer code NERDIST. Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries, and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law & Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.